Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What a week, what a day. I hope all you out there having a great February, enjoying your morning or afternoon, I guess, or really whenever you're listening to this. This is the MMA Fighting Ranking Show. My name is Sean Oshadi. I am joined, as always, by my co-conspirator of this whole thing, the Prince of Positivity, the King in the North, Alexander K. Lee. And AK Baby, 2023. We're just rolling now. We're in the thick of it. We're in that post-pay-per-view glow. How you doing? I'm doing great after that show. Thank you also for the great introduction, Shaheen Al Shadi. Uh, yeah, listen, we all know 2023 started off with some not so great MMA related news. Uh, but once the fights started rolling, getting a little bit better, two, 283 maybe didn't, you know, didn't thrill from from top to bottom, but 284. I mean, Oof. nothing but nothing but good vibes. Great highlights. Some people are making good debuts. Some some people cementing themselves as uh, future contenders. We'll talk about at least one of those names today, and a main event that might already be the best fight of the year, uh, as certainly might be the most controversial fight, even even uh, ten months later. You know, uh, by the end of the year. So we'll we'll see how that goes. We're going to talk about it a lot today. It's been talked about a ton just in the last forty eight hours. And again, I, I don't think that discussion is going to go anyway, uh, go away anytime soon. From the the action itself to the implications of the result to what is next for both of uh, Alexander Volkanovsky and Islam Makachev. So uh, really, we couldn't have asked for more as, as media members from a from a UFC pay per view. Yeah, not only are we in the thick of it now, not only is this year rolling, it looks incredible the 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 next few weeks here the next like few months even where we just got these pay-per-view events lined basically like two weeks after each other every single time now the next three uh just looked tremendous but today let's 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 dive into it a little bit as you said ak this is our monthly peek behind the curtains of the mma fighting global rankings uh and let's bring in the rest of the gang here of course the brains joining us on the panel this month first the legal eagle the brains behind no bets barred Damn, they were good. Two very good podcasts. He is your friend and mine. He is Jed Mashu. Uh, and also the man, the OG, the host of Fighter vs. Writer. He is Damon Martin. How we doing, fellas? I'm I'm doing so great right now, guys. <sighs> I can't stress to you how excited I am uh, about the conversations that are going on in MMA this week. So I'm pretty stoked to get to do this instead. This will be a nice change of pace from the UFC 284 discussion. Oh, wait. That's where we're going to be, too. I just fully, I just fully expect Jed to explode whenever I'm on these podcasts, and I just revel in the explosion. That's what we're here for. We got to give the people what they want. Uh, so as we said, I mean, we're coming in a bit of a short ranking cycle here. It's really only been a few weeks since we were last in this space. We had one terrible, terrible fight night in there. Uh, one decent Bellator event, but really, 
I mean, what is, can we say the headline stealer, the beast of the pay-per-view that we just saw on Saturday, UFC 284, as AK say, headline front runner of the fight of the year, at least the conversation setter for fight of the year, Islam Makachev, Alexander Volkanovsky, incredible scenes, gentlemen, just incredible scenes. The fight totally lives up to the hype. We, we were coming in, it's number one versus number two pound for pound. Uh, and in the end, I mean, would it really be MMA if we didn't leave an event like this with all sorts of people just very upset? Uh, all this narrative out there, Islam is supposed to destroy Alex. Instead, what very much happens is something different. Volkanovsky shows up to scrap. He blows away everyone's expectations. He does better against Islam than anyone has in like seven years. Islam wins the decision. But in a weird way, I don't know if Volkanovsky wins the war, but he certainly does something. He wins by pride rules. And now here we are. This fight was supposed to decide the number one pound for pound fighter. And instead, it feels like it's almost blown open this whole pound for pound conversation entirely. You have people out there questioning what pound for pound even means. I'll admit this ranking cycle was hard for me, fellas, but here we are on this Tuesday morning. We have a new number one on MMA fighting. That's Islam Makachev, our pound for pound top three right now in order. Islam, Volkanovsky, and then Leon Edwards rounding it out. Six out of eight of us on the panel sided with Islam. You had two dissenters for Volkanovsky. Jed, going to you first. Did we get this right? No, we didn't. Um, and I say this as a man who had Islam uh, at the time we had to put in our ballots. But full transparency, guys, we had to do those pretty quick after the event. And I spent the whole evening while we were doing other stuff, like vacillating between them. It was like, I don't really know who should get here. Uh, and then I ultimately defaulted to Makachev because that's, I think, I, honestly, I think that that is a lot of the the experience here not to put words in other people's mouths but it's very close and I, we just i defaulted because he won the fight in a fight that was billed pre going into it as the battle for the top pound for pound fighter in the sport but i don't think he's it certainly by i think the broader traditional definitions of pound for pound it's a super nebulous term but i think by those it, it definitely should go to alexander volkanovsky and I think uh, I was listening to been imbibing a bunch of content. I was listening to a podcast from the great Jack Slack, who did his sort of after the fact. And he said the thing that sort of resonates with me now and has made me think that Alexander Volkanovsky actually should have the top spot, which was just pound for pound, very simple form <laughs> is pound for pound and one of those men had more pounds than the other and the fight was close granted i thought islam won uh, i don't think that there's any controversy whatsoever about it but for it to be that competitive it seems to me like alexander volkanovsky should still have it so i don't think we got it right but i also don't think it's that big a deal it's wrong by by the smallest of margins in, in this case it, it should also be noted jet you had islam the other reason that like you i think you were comfortable putting islam number one is you had islam number one going into the fight yeah yeah that that is certainly true i was one of the few people who had him as the number one pound for pound fighter in the world and again that none of that was based off of like true accomplishments because his wins don't stack up uh the same but to be frank volkanovsky's don't like if it was just based on wins over competition, like actually Francis Ngannou should be the pound for pound number one fighter because he has more dominantly beaten more top guys in his weight class. But 
everyone factors in some other stuff. And so I ended up going uh, Makachev, Volk, Moreno, and Ganu Edwards. Um, I think, to me, those should be the five. Uh, and honestly, I don't really care much which order you put it in, but I do think... If if I had more more time, I think I would have gotten to Volkanovski as top pound for pound fighter. But based on the way our cycle worked, here we go. And I don't think it's wrong to have Makachev at number one either. So I gotta say, I'm a little surprised. This is not how I expected you to start off the show. But that, then again, I feel like I'm coming around to where you are right now as well. Um, what? It's really hard. It's what is really going on hard. here? It's what really is going hard. on? <laughs> Hold on. I thought, it's really I thought, it's really hard. I thought, so, Jed, I, I thought Jed was I thought Jed was gonna explode. I think my head's gonna explode. David, do something, do something. All I, of my on, anger on. is about all of the stupid parts of this fight that have come out afterwards. <laughs> Not the fact that the fight itself and the competitors therein were unbelievable and the best in the sport. They can't take that away. Every single narrative that has happened from the moment the scorecards were announced should die in a fire. That's all idiotic. But this is totally valid. Well, so I want to say one thing I want to note in your, you know, so opening conversation about this. You mentioned this is all just fun, right? Like this is not serious business. I want to get that out there right ahead of time. Like this is not serious business. This is just barbershop talk. This is just the fun part of the sport. None of this is real. There's no objective right answer. That being said, you're right. We filled out our ballots right after the event. It's very late at that point. We're making quick decisions because uh, we have to turn this around very quickly. When I did my ballot, I put Islam number one as well. And a lot of that was the same reasons as you, right? This is the conversation we were having leading into the event. Hey, the winner of this fight is the number one guy. This is what it is. This was the whole pitch line when we, they were in the cage together last year. Volkanovski saying, my number one ranking, your belt on the line. That's what this is. I didn't feel good about it at the time when I put Islam number one. I felt weird about it. And we talked about it a little in the post-fight show where this is one of the most unique fights I can remember coming out of in terms of how people are regarding the victor and the loser and just the conversations around each other. Because I think there's a very valid way to come out of that fight thinking that Islam Akachev objectively won the fight. Like he, he did win the fight. That is not controversial for me to say it. I had a 3-2. It's a very close fight. Pride rules. Volk wins. But Islam won. But I come away from it still being more impressed by Alexander Volkanovsky. And that just feels like a weird place for us to get to. Um, Damon, did you struggle with this as much as Jed and I did? Because you put you had Makachev number one as well. And it feels like you feel good about that. And I don't know that I feel good about it. I feel good about it because they fought and Islam Makachev won. Also, that, that important kind of, note, they fought at the same weight. Yeah, two things I would say. With the whole thing about Volkanovski coming up and yes, he's giving up size, that's part of the that's part of why you can't we can't negate Makachev's win simply because Volkanovski was moving up in weight. That doesn't count because then we're going to negate everyone who's ever moved up in weight because well they were giving up size. Volkanovski took the risk, he lost. End of story. Now, if you wanted to argue with me, better overall resume, I could start to see that logic a bit because, in my opinion, the biggest mark against Islam Makachev being number one is he has two wins over top ten opponents. He has Charles Oliveira, and now he has his, and now he has Alexander Volkanovsky. The rest of his resume is a lot of guys sitting outside the top fifteen. 
So if you want to say, well, you know, Bobby Green and, and, and all the other wins he has on his record, he has Armin Sarukian very early on Armin's debut. You can't sit there and use that one because that was way before Armin was an established lightweight. Um, that argument I would start to understand because Volkanovski has a much deeper, much better overall resume, but they fought. Islam won. That to me is the end of the discussion. They fought. They were right next to each other. The guy who won gets to be number one. And I think that just to me settles the discussion. Now, did Volkanovsky show up and have a great fight? Absolutely. Did he do better than a lot of people gave him credit for? Absolutely. Did he win? No. So to me, that settles the discussion. They fought at the same weight. Um, you know, we've seen, I mean, Connor went up from one featherweight and lightweight and won. So we can't hit center and say it can't be done. We've seen lighter guys go up and wait and win. Um, so yeah, I just, I don't see the argument for this one. Again, if you want to make the argument that Islam doesn't have a, a better overall resume and he shouldn't be number one based solely on that, I actually would agree with that more than making an argument based on the fight itself, because based on his resume, he doesn't have as deep of a library of wins as Alexander Volkan on three wins over Max Holloway trumps the, the, you know, the one win over Charles Oliveira that the Islam had before Saturday night. But again, they fought Islam won. He is now ahead of him. Is it that simple though? Right? Like what, it, what is this? It can be, it can be, I guess it can be. Here's my, here's my thinking. Shaheen, you said something that uh, really summed up how I felt. I don't feel good about it. But the truth is, if I had gone the other way, if I had gone Volk Makachev, I wouldn't feel good about it either. I think that there's just no good. Like, I wouldn't feel good about any of these. There is nothing that I am like, yeah, bulletproof, ironclad. That's what it, that's what it is. I don't know what you're talking about. Until John Jones maybe wins. I don't know what you're talking about. I slept like a baby. I, I, okay. Oh, so we should tell people now. I'm one of so, the two. Yeah, let's I'm get one to of the these. two Volkanovski guys. Oh, so, oh no, okay. no. You, add the second part of that. Where do you have Makachev ranked? Where do I have Makachev ranked? You have not two. Third, I believe third. It's not number two. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah, you have, you so have you're really the crazy three. man here. Oh, am I now? Oh, so am I now? You are. Just I'm to okay give with people that. give people context. Yeah. You were sort of the first one to light this whole discussion on fire. Uh, uh-huh. Almost immediately after the fight ends, you had Volkanovski uh-huh. number one, and you. Felt I thought I wasn't going to be the only one, and apparently now I'm not. I because I have foresight. I can think. Uh, I, I you know I have. I can think ahead, and, and and process my thoughts quicker than others. I guess I'm special. I don't know what to tell you. I have. I slept like a baby. How, how do you have foresight? Explain to me the foresight. I, just, I, I knew I wouldn't have any regrets. I'm like, uh-huh. how will this? How will this fight? How will I think about this fight? And in, in, uh, come Monday morning, I'm like, you know what? Probably the same way. And guess what? I'm fine with it. I'm fine with. It. I have no no regrets. So make the case for us, because right now it feels like there's oh. two factions when in this discussion, right? It's yeah. what what is it? Because there's no actual criteria. This is all fake. Like all of the yes. pound for pound stuff is a fake conversation. Yes. So there's no the people will <laughs> say like, oh that's you. not that's... the definition of pound for pound. Mm-hmm. There is no actual definition. Yes. So you, the, you, the problem is should the criteria more heavily favor who yeah. wins an actual head to head matchup between fighters who are, you know, somewhat comparable in size, like these two gentlemen were like they're not the same size, but they were somewhat comparable. Or do we take a result like this? and just light it on fire and limit it to strictly this hypothetical who'd win a hypothetical head-to-head fight if both these guys are the exact same size rather than they did just hitting it for like two minutes on weigh-in day where they're at the same number and then everything falls apart. Like, where do we go with this? Make the case, because I yeah I lost right now. Gentlemen, this, this is another reason why I slept so well, because I have a system. 
Uh, you guys know I have a system. I don't just make uh, rankings capriciously. I, I have a system. I've had a system for many years. Uh, I'm a man of science and I'm a man of science. So I... <laughs> What about I don't have nuts? a lot of. Are you a man of corn nuts? <laughs> uh, that's a, that's a. I think that's a pseudoscience. If we're being honest, but that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> we don't need to get into that on this podcast. So I have a prime a, hydration zone. <laughs> that is still being can tested, I, and I will not rule I be, it out. Can I, I be the man of co- can I be the man of cocaine bear after Saturday night? Is that possible? Is oh, that what man. I can be? Uh, we'll have to talk to Vox you're Legal. Have a, we'll have to talk to Vox Legal about that. Yeah, you're gonna have a lot of competition for that, Damon. It seems like such a lost marketing opportunity. And not have cocaine bear be so, the John Jones mo- the John Jones event. Come on, man! Let me uh, so, much tie-in, so much tie in opportunity. Goodness, they they didn't do that. Uh, let me let me preface this even further. I know I need to get into this at some point, but uh, I, the other person who has Volkanovski number two is our own rogue panelist, our the man E. Casey Leiden, and he did something interesting. He had Makachev number one going in, and switched Volkanovski to number one after. So he's the I think he's the only one who did that right he's the only one who he has market so that's oh yeah it has to be because you, you, you and totally fits with everything casey has ever i will try to make the case both for myself and for casey someone so i mentioned the science so i do have criteria it's probably not consistent up and down my top 20 but generally i favor first body of work so body of work we've talked about that we'd all agree volkanovsky has a better body of work and then my second would be hypothetical head-to-head this is when you get into the um you know more broadly like oh if francis Ngannou was a flyweight how would he fare against like demetrius johnson if it like the same skill set and this or demetrius johnson were a heavyweight vice versa if they were somehow in the same weight class uh how do their skill sets compare who would win if you paired them up you know 10 times who would win the most fights like that's a that's a sort of the hypothetical way to do it and based on what we saw on uh on saturday i do feel like with a little extra poundage i do think there's it would have affected the fight i think there's i saw enough from volkanovsky hold on jed hold on i saw enough from volkanovsky <laughs> that i think he could win if they were you're gonna say they weighed in at 125 no i i just want to ask a question this uh-huh. isn't even a comment it's like a uh-huh. legitimate question okay, okay. Please. I'm understanding your criteria. Yeah. Do you think it makes sense for the criteria to be theoretical fight for when they actually do just fight? Yeah. Because because, like, and as I say, third <laughs> is is actual head to head, which is we barely. Oh, oh so that, yeah. that's a whole separate thing. Okay. Because that actually yeah. like is part of my thing. Where like honestly, if this same scenario had happened pre. Pajeda pre Edwards Usman and like how we addressed it on this show, how that sort of really janked up our whole rankings in some ways. It was the same thing where ultimately I was like, I don't know, they fought. Um, so, and all, the other people who fought and beat, I just sort of moved them. I was like, all right, well, it's fine. We'll move it to the top. And that's kind of where I defaulted here. Mm-hmm. But you have, you're looking at it from two separate ways of head to head. Yeah, yeah, and actual. Yeah, and we don't obviously we don't often get to see actual when we're looking at the top like five, six, seven names in the you know in the pound for pound rankings. In this instance, we did get to, which is we, first of all, we were blessed, uh, so cool that we got to see it. And Volkanovski, in my mind, kind of had that advantage going in, where like as long as he doesn't get smoked. Uh, and I actually thought, like, one people should know, I scored the fight for Makachev four rounds to one. Though two of those rounds, the certainly- one true scorecard. 
49 46 that's what i had but certainly listen i, I don't hate 48 47 volkanovsky i wouldn't score it that way but there's a couple of rounds very close that's fine so i i had so uh, makachev won the fight but i in my mind i was like well volkanovsky as long as he doesn't get tooled doesn't get finished in the first or second round just completely dominated and choked out this is the advantage of 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 being daring of being the little the smaller guy going up is that you have theoretically less to lose other than 22 fight you know win streak 12 12 and 0 usc record that that's what he was pointing the line same same with with izzy going up to fight um jan blokovic right it's like for me it's it's the smaller guy has a little bit of an advantage reputation wise uh they always going to have that in the pocket of like well i'm the smaller guy going up so if i lost it's because i was smaller and i'm not saying people have to agree with this because again you show up you weigh in the same. That's how it goes. You you, you are signing. You know you you should you shouldn't necessarily be viewed as having like a any sort of handicap. But I personally think those ten pounds make a difference. I, I know I don't know how you put them on. It's fine, but I, I it's just never going to be the same as fighting in your natural weight class. So um, so Volkanovski had less to lose. Had less to lose here that, than Makachev would with a loss. So there's a lot of scenarios for. Uh, Volkanovski to hold on to his spot. There's only like again one scenario for for me for Makachev to to, um, to take the spot or two. Sorry, a dominant finish or a dominant you know 50 45 win. Then I probably move Makachev up. But uh, yeah, but the the main point is to sum that all up is actual head to head is like the third criteria for me. Um, and again, it's it mostly because it rarely gets to apply comparing so many other people on the list, right? So it's cool we can got I, it. It's just I don't know if I can prioritize it. Can I can I ask a question though? Because here's the thing: when Izzy lost to Blahovich, we we all we all said, "Well, size matters," and he ultimately lost the fight, forty eight forty seven. He got dominated in the third round because he got taken down. And he couldn't get the heavier guy off of him. But to me, that was a worse loss because Blahovich and I I love Jan Blahovich, but Blahovich wasn't a it wasn't really seen as a dominant champion. He beat Dominic Reyes and he became champion. But Blahovich was being set up to lose to Israel Adesanya. Let's all be honest about what was supposed Blahovich to happen in that a fight. Sizable betting underdog in that mm-hmm. fight. He was supposed to lose that fight, and Izzy ended up losing. This time around, we were looking at a situation where where Mahachev was a heavy favorite, and then he ended up in a much closer fight than most people anticipated, despite the fact that Alexander Volkanovsky was everyone's universal number one pound for pound fighter in the world. Yet going up in weight 10 pounds, less than what Izzy had to deal with, going up 20 pounds to fight Blahovich, yet the expectation was lower on Alex because we're like, well, you know, Islam's so freaking good and he's so dominant that he's just going to blow him out of the water and it's going to be a lopsided fight and this is he's biting off more than he can chew. Are we rewarding Volkanovsky like after the fact simply because yes. he went in and performed as the best pound-for-pound fighter in the sport going into the fight? And kept it close. Now he lost. I thought he lost the fight, forty-eight, forty-seven. I'm very, very f- happy with that scorecard. I don't I feel it was a contract. And a close fight. Also, let me also make when we say close fight could have gone either way. That kind. Of, there's no robbery here. I know no one said robbery. That's when I throw that out there. When people say, "Oh, he's robbed," he was not robbed. It was a close fight. But because Volkanovski kept it closer than most of us intended, are we just posthumously rewarding him for keeping it close? We all expected him to lose. I think that's what we're doing here because. Volkanovski is incredible. He's an incredible fighter, and he came within one round of becoming lightweight champion against a very, very, very good guy. But I think that we're, I think we're almost overselling the accomplishment simply because he kept it close. But at the end of the day, uh, what's the old saying? Almost only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. Uh, He didn't win. He did not win. He came close, but he didn't win. So I just don't know how you can reward him for losing. But But I'm not. The thing is, I'm not penalizing him for losing. I already had him number one. 
So that's the thing. You could say maybe we shouldn't reward him. So that would be the if you want. That's the you want. You want to talk to Casey if you want to talk about that because he technically did kind of reward him for losing. Mm-hmm. I simply didn't penalize him. I, I had Volkanovski number one, and he's still number one. But the thing is, like he didn't. He didn't lose. Like he lost the contest, right? I don't know that he lost the fight. Oh no! Don't do, don't go down that road, Jed. Like, Jed, no, Jed. Like we don't even need to go down. Bite your tongue, Jed. Bite your tongue. <laughs> I'm I've all I've made the journey. I'm back on on Islam as my number one. Um, so good discussion, oh, just guys. The last you, got me, minutes. <laughs> you got me back. Yeah, because uh, I think that I was just overthinking it, and it's just like, uh, and maybe this also is probably a personal thing um, in a lot of ways. I the narrative has gone to a crazy place. Like what Damon said is true. Yes, when when Izzy moved up, he was supposed to win, and it wasn't against a guy that anyone really even respected. And we have some people, me, were (laughs) super on the Islam's going to wreck him. We have acted as if I am the determiner of the entire narrative space, because like if you watched our pros predict YouTube video, a majority, a vast majority of the fighters picked Volkanovski. Well, there was a lot not... of hometown bias going on there. There's a lot of Australian okay, fighters. But, uh, the, New Zealand my point fighters. being also everywhere else, if you talk to people in the media, very few of them, I was one. So it's weird for me to be the one saying it, but I can also say it definitively because I was one of the few guys on the corner of Islam's going to beat the shit out of him. Everybody else all of y'all included said, well, I think Islam's going to win because he's too big and stuff, but man, Volk's really great and this could be really interesting. But that narrative has just entirely morphed into the thing Volk's been saying of none of you's believed in me. And it's so, it, I don't think that that's real. And I think that that is absolutely influencing our takeaways from this fight because the entire takeaway is, man, Volk is super, super good which is a fair takeaway because he is super good. It's great performance, but it's not, holy shit, Islam Makachev outstruck Alexander Volkanovsky for 25 minutes, which that could be the, like that could easily be the same thing because for whatever you think about Islam's going to run him over, if, if you don't believe the stuff I just said, it is undeniable that the narrative was, if Islam can't take him down, he's going to get murdered. And that is not what happened at all. But that's not what's happening here. And I think it's entirely a facet of people don't really like Islam the way they don't gravitate to him. He doesn't have the it factor that Habib did. Uh, He didn't handle his win great. I'm also, I'll be first to say he didn't do great there. But Volk is a charismatic guy that people are into. And I think it's all shaping this conversation in a way that is really, really warped. And so I'm back on it. I'm back on Islam. Top pound for pound fighter, baby. Let's go. People don't understand. Uh, this man has been, he's like, Jed, like all of us, enjoyed that fight immensely. But the discourse around fight. it, the discourse around it has, has driven him mad. I will also, say, you, you are watching a man break down. Also, I'm getting the discourse directly because again, to my point, <laughs> I was one of the few people who was really on that corner of Islam's going to beat the shit out of this dude. And so all of the haters have come for me and that's okay. Like I am fine with that because I, I went out on that corner. You got to reap what you sow, buddy. But it is insane to me that 20 minutes after that fight, I thought we'd be like, that was a hell of a fight. We're going to talk about it and think about it for a long time. But now we can move on with our lives and go back to business. And now it's 
Did he rehydrate? And are they going to run this back? And maybe Volk won four of the rounds because reality doesn't exist because <laughs> we just want him to be the best because it would make us feel good if we were part of watching the greatest fighter of all time instead of we came to the sport too late to see Fedor in his peak or whatever. I don't know what's shaping it, but it is driving me insane. I don't know. This whole conversation hurts my head. And I don't feel good about it. And I don't feel that I would, I don't know that I would have felt good about it either way I went. And it's to me the weirdest example of pound for pound just being a very bizarre, nebulous thing. Because even when the Izzy Lakovitz fight happened, well, people weren't ranking Jan above Izzy after that fight in a pound for pound discussion. Like that just, that wasn't what was happening. So it's all weird. I just, it's all weird. And I just none think of it makes me feel good. First off, let me to agree with what you're saying. Pound for pound is such a weird one because there's no right or wrong answer. Let's be clear about that. There is no right or wrong answer because there's no set criteria. But again, I just think wins and losses have to matter. And because what you said, AK, I agree with you in theory on a lot of what you said about hypothetical matchups and are you doing accomplishments versus uh, you know the the you know the the matchup of you know if Demetrius Johnson was a heavyweight. I understand all that. But in the rare instances when we do get these pound-for-pound fights, so to speak, we do get to see two guys within that ranking fight each other, results to me have to matter. And and, and it matters in this particular instance because of how Islam was already near the— Again, if Islam was, like, number 10 and he he won a close fight, maybe I wouldn't, but he was already right there. He was already, like, number two at worst or number three at worst on everyone's ranking. So to be the number one guy— to me, right, the result has to matter at least a little bit, and that's why I put him number one. Now, I'll be honest, this is all a moot point because I'm going to throw a spoiler on here right now. March 3rd, March 4th rolls around. Yes. John Jones wins. Sorry, Islam, you're getting bumped because I'll tell you ahead of time, I'll give you a spoiler for our rankings coming out on March 5th or whatever date that's going to be. John Jones will be my number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world, assuming he beats Cyril Gone. I don't know if that. I don't know if he's going to beat Cyril Gone, but if he does... Sorry, Islam. Sorry, Alex. You are now number two and three, respectively, because John Jones will be number one. John Jones can't be number one. You can't do it. He hasn't fought in three years and wins one. I can't do it. He won't. He won't even be my number one heavyweight. Like Francis Ngannou has to lose that title for you for you to get that spot. You can't be the number one pound for pound fighter when you're not the number one in the in your own damn division. I, again, I think John Jones is the goat. Period. But if he comes back and absolutely wipes the mat with Cyril Gone, unlike no one has actually done yet in the UFC. Um, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I think the narrative will change. Yeah. I, the list. Can't move, I can't yeah, move him to I, one. I don't have Cyril gone in my top 20. So I beating him does not make you the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. Like it just can't, there's just no it, way I can Damon, do that. Damon, I'll that. say, I'll say this. If he was still the light heavyweight champion and did up, that probably would be enough to be like, huh? but he just hasn't fought in three whole years. And relevant. so you've got to do more than don't, conversation don't, right don't, now. Yeah. Don't fool, don't fool yourself, Jed. No offense to Jamal Hill and Yuri Prohashka. John Jones is still the UFC light heavyweight champion. I'm just throwing this out there. I mean, like, he's, he's not. not he, he lost to Dominic Reyes. He didn't defend Reyes. it. <laughs> Last he John Jones, he basically lost he's a fight done. to Dominic Reyes, who hasn't won a fight since. John Jones lost to Dominic Reyes more convinced than this stupid lightweight fight we're talking about. John Jones hasn't looked like John Jones since like Obama was president. Like this I'm is not you, a, this is just John not. Jones. I'm telling you, John Jones comes back and wrecks the role gone. The conversation is going to change oh, in a hurry. I'm just oh, telling you. It will be wholly undeserved. It will never, for me, it will never change to he's now the number one pound for pound fighter again. That ain't happening. Not, not, not right away. I mean, obviously he can get there. He's freaking John Jones, but with that, with one win, he could finish what, gone in 30 AK, seconds. I'm not making number one. What if not trying to put this out there, knock on wood doesn't happen. What if, 
terrible thing happens. Cyril gone gets injured in the next week. John Jones faces Jailton Almeida for the UFC <laughs> heavyweight title. Yeah. And Almeida that beats make him. him the number one pound. Will, will, will that make Jailton? Will that make Jailton Almeida the number one pound, pound fighter? Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. If that's what you're asking. Um, last thing, really super fast, and then let's move on because we've talked about this All for right. too long. All right. This conversation now that's sort of arising today in, in the past few days, past 48 hours, is baffling to me a little bit of the idea that they should now book a rematch. Um, I don't know why this is in quit. the space. I may have to quit. <laughs> Why'd you bring that up, uh, Shane? Jen's already upset. No, just, we're going to do this super fast. Yes, no, that seems crazy to me. Absolutely, you should not book a rematch around the horn here. What, what do you guys say? Immediate? God, no. Immediate? No. Immediate? No. Why? God, why? No. Uh, no. I don't think it's ridiculous to want the best featherweight in the world to fight other featherweights that aren't Max friggin' Holloway. <laughs> or if they want to do it, he has to drop the featherweight belt. At least that's acceptable. It's still stupid and really bones Benil Darius, who deserves to fight for a title. But come on, people. He lost the fight. No, he took a shot. He, he missed. No, he took a shot. And he missed. Go back to your division. Do your thing in featherweight. And there we go. We'll leave it at that. Uh, moving on. Two quick notes I wanted to mention before we hit our last segment here, which should be a lot of fun. Uh, Bellator doesn't always give us a ton. We're being honest, but it does. It did this past cycle give us two at least more noteworthy moves of the month. Uh, Johnny Eblen, undefeated Bellator champ. He vaults way up the 185 pound rankings. He was number six. Now he's a consensus top four middleweight in the world. In the eyes of MMA fighting, uh, he even got a first place vote from someone. We'll, we'll, we can get into that in a second. Uh, and then the other development over at Welterweight. Actually, two new names, not just Bellator. You had Lorenz Larkin and Jack Della Maddalena. Jackie, three names, debuting at number 15 and number 14, respectively. Uh, this was probably long overdue for Larkin. He's been quietly killing it over there for a while. Uh, and this was actually probably sooner than expected for, for Della Maddalena. I mean, Welterweight is deep as all hell. And the fact that we are already talking about him in this space and he's appearing on this list just four fights into his ufc career i think that speaks volumes but let's start with eblin uh damon top four middleweight in the world johnny eblin does that sound right yeah i think it sounds right i can't remember i have to look at my rank and see where i ranked him i had him at six um the problem here's here's i think eblin is that good let me say that i didn't rank him in the top five but he is that good here's the problem and this is the problem a lot of bellator guys run into is that the lack of competition he just beat Anatoly Tokov, who's a pretty solid guy, and, and he beat Gegard Mousasi, who's a legitimate legend. We all agree on that. I can't put him any higher, though, because he's not. Who else is he going to fight at middleweight? So is he that good? Yes. Can he go much higher? Probably not. Because, again, this is the problem, unless you're in a deeper division, like let's say Bantamweight, which I think Bellator has an incredible Bantamweight roster. Um, you could argue featherweight, of course. I had Patricia Pitbull pretty high at featherweight, and that was a lot to do with his rivalry with AJ McKee, where they were battling back and forth. And I thought AJ McKee was that good. Now he's out of the division. Um, but yeah, I think it all comes down to that. Is he that good? Yes. And stylistically, I wish we could see him in the UFC because Johnny Eblen is stylistically a nightmare for guys like Adesanya and Pereira. Uh, but we're not going to see those fights. They just, you know, they're, they're locking that dude up to contracts, and he's not going anywhere. Uh, and again, is he good enough? Yes. Will he ever climb higher for me? Probably not. And like, you know, guys faltering and falling from the UFC. Sure. But again, who's he going to fight? I mean, Yoel Romero, God, I would love to see Yoel go back down to middleweight and see that fight. Sure. But I don't know if Yoel is going to want to cut to 185 again. 
Yeah. And, and for transparency's sake for the audience, um, number four, obviously below the UFC big three, which is Pereira, Izzy, Whitaker. Uh, now, I will say, people at home probably sitting here wondering, wait, did Sean really say something about Evelyn getting a first played vote? <sighs> yeah, I did. Uh, I did. Faithful listeners can probably guess the source of that first place vote. Jed, please explain yourself. The panelist? Is it the? Oh no, it's me. I'm a little uh, disappointed yeah. he didn't. I'm a little disappointed he didn't join you. Jed, please explain I, yourself. Explain why you enjoy giving AK and I headaches so much. I'm really disappointed the rogue panelist didn't join me either. So look, there was a thought. There was a method behind the madness, and I think you guys are going to be on my side once I reveal it. Maybe not the listeners; they're all going to be mad. But it comes down to a couple of things. First and foremost. If Johnny Eblen fought Alex Pereira, he would beat the holy hell out of that dude. And I feel pretty good about saying that. Or do you guys at least accept that that is possible, if not probably true? I would I would favor Johnny Eblen. I would favor Eblen, but I would yes. not favor him against Robert Whitaker in the slightest. So no, so that that's that's definitely true. That's the thing. If if Pajeda wasn't the middleweight champ, this wouldn't be the discussion. If Izzy had won the rematch, it, he would have come in at three behind Whitaker and Izzy because I definitely wouldn't favor him against Whitaker, uh, and I wouldn't favor him against Izzy. Though I do think that he could have a chance against both guys. But I was looking, I was like, I would favor him pretty comfortably to beat Pajeda. Uh, which I don't think is insane. And I wanted to reward a great performance and an emerging talent. And being very honest, because of what Damon said earlier, there will never be a time moving forward where I can justify putting him at number one. He just beat the only dude that they have for him. He's coming off the Musasi win and the Tokov win to top 15, top 20 wins. He will, there is nothing better for him to do as long as he stays in Bellator, barring a Francis Ngannou-like exit for somebody from the UFC. Um, you know, Paulo Costa, I know, is sort of in that range, maybe, but there's just never going to be another time where he could get his flowers in this way. And so, it was like, okay, the middleweights are going to fight it out. Pajeda and Adesanya are going to run it back in April. And the when whoever wins that fight, depending on how it looks, may end up making them retake the top spot. You know, we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out in that regard. But I wanted to reward a great performance by a great emerging young fighter. I wanted to, you know, give him his flowers. And also, it still feels super freaking weird for Alex Pajeda to be the best middleweight in the world, guys, because I think all of us could pick four different names on our ranked list. And that's not including several unranked fighters. Cause I imagine we'd all pick Bo nickel to beat Alex Pajeda <laughs> and that dude doesn't even fight. So it's like, it's still weird. It was like, I can justify this. So this and is so kind of, I a, did th it. this might be a temporary ranking is what you're saying. It could be, it could be a temporary, it, like it's a reward. It most likely will. It's a reward, it but it's if Adesanya beats Pereira, you're saying Adesanya will almost certainly jump back over him in, in that spot. Correct. Unless it's like some I, sort I, of a robbery decision. But if uh, Adesanya beats Pajeda, he's going to jump back. And when he jumps back, Whitaker will also jump back. Weirdly, but as it sits right now, I have to have Pajeda in front of Whitaker in front of Adesanya. And I have to have Adesanya in front of Whitaker because I would also pick Whitaker to beat the shit out of Pajeda. But those three dudes have fought and we can order them as everyone else has. So I was like, oh, I'll just put Eblin here. And this kind of solves a lot of problems while rewarding some dude. And it's okay. 
Well, I don't have it ranked that way. I will say weirdly, I actually kind of like Jed's justification because he's not saying it's a forever kind of thing. He's not. He's not saying it's like it's because he's. I mean, he's, he's admitting he's like if you know because if Pereira goes out there and just absolutely washes Izzy, which I don't think is going to happen. He hasn't done that in three fights yet. I'm just saying, like hypothetically, if Pereira goes out there and just lays waste Israel out of sign in the first round. I think we all feel pretty justified keeping him number one and same thing, vice versa. If Adesanya goes out there and finally gets a win over Alex Pereira, we're probably all going to feel justified putting him number one. So yeah, this might be the only time Evelyn gets that shot because he ain't getting it by beating anyone else in Bellator. It, I can tell you that much for damn happen. sure. <laughs> it will never happen over the next two years. Being a bloated, be, beating a, a bloated Douglas Lima ain't going to get you that spot, yes. buddy. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not. I will also note for the dis- discerning listeners who may have heard the the terminology I used, I caved this week as well. Um, in part because of this middleweight move. I don't know if you guys recognize that Leon Edwards is now the unanimous number one welterweight in the world. Oh, but okay. I I moved Leon to number one. I dropped Hamza both because I was doing this Eblin uh, nonsense and felt that. <laughs> You know, I, I had to rob Peter to pay Paul, but also because Hamzat uh, is starting to really look like he might not fight it well to wait again. <laughs> what with the calling out Robert Whitaker things like, well, this is how I'll justify all of this. Leon Edwards can get his flowers as the undisputed number one welterweight in the world. And I can also give Johnny Eblen his flowers. AK, this is what we get. This is what we got. We try to I'm, run a respectable I, rankings establishment, and this is what we're dealing with. Gene, I was not. You're the like, one who said it's about fun, Gene. It's I, about fun. Gene, I alerted you ahead of time. Uh, and I did say I had sort of. I said I, t- I told Jed specifically not to do this move. But I will say, actually, Jed did not tell me what he was going to do. He just said, should I essentially, you know, uh, just, should I be a, 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 a line stepper, as I am known to be? And I, and I said, habitual, definitely the definition of habitual. And I was like, please don't. And so I didn't know it was the Evelyn thing until later. Uh, but now that I see it, like, that's not as bad. Um, like, that's not as crazy as I thought it would be. I'm not sure what it's else I thought. Crazy. We, I'm not going to stand it's, for it. It is crazy, but not based on above Robert Whitaker. This no, is no, it is crazy, but not based on Jed's criteria. I will say this is consistent with just because a crazy person has crazy rules. It's consistently follow, crazy. <laughs> it's consistently crazy, but it is consistent. You know, I talked about predictable. Oh, yeah. I have I listen. I told you I'm an MMA scientist, but I also that requires a uh, uh, master's, a master's in MMA math, and there's a lot of theoretical in there, and so I have to wrap my mind around some pretty crazy don't bring concept. Out the calculator. We don't have the budget for I the calculator. I, I, I was gonna say, are you bringing out the calculator, AK? I'm not allowed are, we, to. Are, we, are, we, are we breaking the budget for that? No, we I'm not allowed to anymore. Right now, <laughs> we don't have the budget for it. They've specifically told me in 2023, do not use the calculator. Uh, but Jed is using a combination of his own methodology plus classic, very traditional MMA math. And when you look at it that way, it's not crazy. Because Jed has said many times he bases a lot of his rankings on, would this guy beat so-and-so people ahead of him? Even if he hasn't fought them yet, his resume might not be as strong. So in this case, again, because Alex Pereira screwed everything up by becoming UFC champion. He really did, man. Jed really has no choice but to put him above uh, Pereira because if, if he oh firmly believes if, he, if he firmly believes that Evelyn would beat Pereira, and I think we all agree Evelyn would be favorite. So again, I don't rank that way. For me, I don't go based on hypothetical matchups. It's, it's again, it's maybe somewhere down the line in my criteria. I, I prefer to go based on accomplishments, but, if, but it is 
Jed is being consistent. He's being consistent. I don't even think this is the most insane ranking I have, like, no. by objective standards. I don't think so. No, <laughs> we're getting mad no. about the wrong thing, really, if we didn't want to be serious about it. Say, if you looked at almost any other weight division I've put a <laughs> ranking in, I, I think I have something way less defensible than this one and many well, of them. Ultimately, that's why it pays to have an eight-person panel, because a lot of us will offset your crazy with, with reasonable. But yeah. but he has uh, top five. Congrats, Johnny Eldon. A top five. And well deserved. A top five. Well, well deserved. deserved. To me, he he fits right there after the trio, the UFC trio. Mm-hmm. Uh, pivoting, talking about the welterweights. Getting these two gentlemen here, Lorenz Larkin and, and Jackie Three Names. Damon, which welterweight newcomer were you most happy to see get in there? Uh, let me just say uh, to my tweet to my good friend Alexander Kaylee yesterday, the person on this panel who voted Jack Della Maddalena is their rookie of the year in 2022. That would be me. That would be me. Now, to be fair, I don't feel bad about Jelton Almeida winning rookie of the year, by the way. I, I didn't say, know you, are you trying yeah. to load yeah. it over Jelton Almeida's I'm just saying my faith in Jack Della has been well established. I think that dude's a monster. And Randy Brown is really good. Now, Randy Brown may not be, you know, top 10 guy. I'm not going to say that, but he's a good welterweight and he just laid waste him. It wasn't even a fight. He went out there and absolutely destroyed Randy Brown. Jack Della is a really fun guy. And again, I think we're going to have to wait till he faces some wrestlers to see how that Australian wrestling holds up to guys like a Colby Covington or even a Bilal Muhammad or even a potentially a Gilbert Burns, who's an incredible grappler in his own right. But I am all in on Jack Della right now as as the guy. And also, I listen, we all kind of admitted privately, and I'll bring it up publicly now, we all kind of forgot a little bit about Lorenz Larkin because he's quietly been winning in Bellator and weirdly on the prelims a lot, just kind of like out of sight, out of mind. But I he's don't quietly put together. Bell- I, yeah. I just don't understand what Bellator has done with <laughs> quietly, this, man. It's such a weird quietly, thing yeah. in retrospect. Yeah. Yeah, quietly putting together a really good resume. But again, here's the problem. You know, obviously, if he ends up fighting, you know, MVP or he fights, uh, you know, uh, Logan Sorley or or Amosov, one of those guys, of course, he's going to have a chance to jump a lot higher. But we haven't seen that yet. So right now he's kind of stuck there. Jack Della, man, I am sold on this guy. I love the Vicente Luque matchup. I think that's a really, really fun fight. I think that's a fight just begging for a knockout. Um, yeah, I think him and Wonderboy would be a really fun fight. Again, we got to see him against the ground push to see how high he can go, but I'm all in on Jack Della Maddalena. The, the, the Larkin thing, just from what you just said, like, he's probably like a top 15 talent Bellator has on their roster. Yeah. Like, wh- he's disappeared. Like, no, we, we even amongst the they team, we had didn't forgotten even get that him he on existed. The CBS. They can didn't I, even get that it, knockout it, on can, CBS during it, all that downtime. No, that's crazy. Can I can I say something? I did not forget about Lorenz Larkin. I just didn't have him ranked, and I still don't. So I want to I want to nip this in the oh, bud. It's not okay. Uh, why I, I I agree with everything Damon said. Super talented guy, and Bellator has done him a disservice with their booking. Uh, but he's not a top fifteen welterweight. I don't know why why we feel like we have to apologize to Lorenz Larkin. Explain so so. Give me the case of why he's not, because the case of he, why he is feels where, no, hold on. the case of why he is feels very very simple to me. I mean, maybe in the top twenty five. Like I don't okay. like like why why are we suddenly why where is this reappraisal of Lorenz Larkin coming from? He we know he can't beat like top guys at one seventy. We've seen How him we fight top guys. He fought Paul Daly and lost. He fought Douglas Lima and lost. Those are his two Ooh. most recent like big welterweight fights, and he lost. And it pretty convincingly, it wasn't like, it wasn't like close. <laughs> so 
we will also say that he's beat Neil Magny, who were knocking out Ponzinibbio, knocking out Magny and beating George Masvidal, who you kept in the rankings forever. If he was a if he was a top ten welterweight after the Neil Magny fight, fine. Then he loses to Douglas Lima, he loses to Paul Daly, and then that bumps him down. That bumps you out. You're out of the top fifteen. You lo- you lose to Paul Daly. You're out of top Paul Daly's not a top fifteen welterweight. You lose to him, you're out. You don't get back in with and I'm looking at five to, years ago. And I, and I have to Wikipedia this and I'm doing this while the while the Magny and Masvidal fights were six years ago and you bring those up so so now so which one is, we we're, we were not counting his losses from six from five years ago but we're counting his wins from six years ago that's how this works that's a little weird uh you don't bounce back and again i'm doing this for all of us because i know no none of us remember any of these fights a catch weight 180 pound fight with fernando gonzalez so he fine good jan pascu incredible win andre korskov i'll give him credit i think korskov is really good split decision korskov, win Kovalo and nakamura were good good Kovalo is a middleweight fight Nakamura, yeah. and Marcus, oh, Nakamura, oh, right he missed. Mis- you're you're getting real yeah. real frosty. I'm not against <laughs> right? what you're saying at all. Right? What like, we, I don't <laughs> think that he has to be a ranked no. welterweight, but you're just coming in real hot. And I, I was am. like, I was like, I don't. You you got me when you were like, yeah. he's proven he can't be top dudes. Like, yeah. well, he has okay. done that before. No, but I want to say like everything that's happened since Nakamura catchweight, he missed weight for it. He didn't make weight for that fight. Cavallo is a middleweight fight. Kyle Stewart, Kyle Stewart, Kyle Stewart. We're, we're, what are we doing? Did you even remember that fight? happened and i, I, have, and I yeah I and i like the Berkhamov win and that's about it i have i have more of an issue with shaheen's ranking of lorenz larkin than i do with uh with jed's ranking of johnny eblin because there I we think, go thank you damon shaheen i, I love you buddy. i actually I love am you. firmly I, on board with this line I, of I, I, I love you i lo- you are my brother from another mother but lorenz larkin in the top 10 really we're compensating we're overcompensating a top, a top 10 welterweight lorenz larkin justify justify yourself <laughs> okay. Justify yourself on that one. I'm you have saying, him, you, I'm, you have I'm him above saying, Amosov. I'm you have him saying, above Amosov. I want I'm to see the tables have turned. I'm, I'm not saying this didn't turn out. This didn't turn out like you thought it would. I don't have Lorenz in my top fifteen. I do think he is good, and I do think he's been completely undervalued. But <laughs> sure, but top ten—that's a bridge too far, my friend. This is this is the the old man call the ambulance <laughs> meme, but not for me, Shaheen. <laughs> was I expecting? Was I coming into this expecting? I felt like I was going to be on an island with this. I don't think I, I don't think this is very surprising to me. I know, yeah. You want the defense to me? The defense is this is someone who left the UFC as a top nine welterweight in the world, and he lost to Douglas Lima which at the time he lost to Douglas Lima. Sure. Douglas Lima was a top 10 welterweight in the world. And then Correct. he got knocked out by Paul Daly, which people get knocked out by Paul Daly, man. I'm sorry. Like that's the thing that happens in the world. I can't fault somebody too hard for that. And since then he has not lost and he's fought some actually good people during that. And I just know, like Ooh. I have, we, what are you talking about? We just said Koreshkov is a good, is a good win. Carvalho is a good win. Nakamura is a middleweight. Win. That was a middleweight fight. That doesn't count. That's a middleweight fight. Dude, you're talking about Volkanovski fighting at, at lightweight. Like people fight in different divisions. I'm not faulting him because he fought a very good person at a different division. Even the last fellow he just fought, Berkovamov, I don't know how to say the name. Like that mm-hmm. dude had a very legitimate record. He's not fighting cans out here. He is someone who has proven to be a top welterweight in the world or at least not like a top, like in the conversation type of welterweight in the world. And the fact that he disappeared in the jungle in, in, in Bellator to me, like that, that, okay, cool. That's just bad booking. Like, I'm not going to fault him for that. I don't have Lorenz Larkin as a top five welterweight in the world, but to me, he is pretty disrespected on the global scene. And if I was to put him up against, 
um, like, like just say one of the, the Vicente Luque, Jeff Neal. Like, I don't know that I'm crazy. Pick it seems crazy to pick Larkin to win that fight to me. Like, if I if you put Larkin up against Michael Chiesa, I'm pretty sure Larkin would win that fight right now if I was picking it. So that's just where I'm coming from. He has a better resume than than Jackie Three Names. As much as I love Jackie Jack Della Maddalena, like Res Larkin has a much better resume at 170 than, than Jack Della Maddalena. If if that's what we're really getting in our craw here. That's all I'm saying. I like both of them. I'm glad both of them are in our rankings, but coming at me for this seems a little ridiculous. I'm not coming at you for ranking him. I'm coming, I'm coming at you for ranking him so high. I'm not saying you, yeah. you t- fringe in the top 15. I'm okay with that. I had Jack. And here's the thing. I had Jack at number 15. I would have felt completely okay ranking him higher, but welterweight's a snake pit. That's the problem. Like I bumped out Logan Storley, the current uh, Bellator interim welterweight champion, because uh, we all know what Storley is, but, I had him at number 15, but then I looked at the ranks. I was like, you know what? Magny, he's fought a, you know, my, I'm looking at my 15, by the way. Magny, you know, again, losses in there, but he's had just a killer list of guys he's beaten. Kiesa is probably the guy that's going to get knocked out soon because, you know, obviously he's got to fight coming up with Li Jing Liang, but he hasn't really fought a lot. I still believe in Brady. Obviously, Shavkat's a monster. I'm a big believer in Amosov. It's just welterweight so deep. So, like, Larkin being number 15, I'm okay with that. Like, 15's cool. Yeah, top and, and 10? I think top 10, that's that seems a bit extreme to like make I, I, up for lost time. Yeah, I Shaheen, I think what makes this so strange is that there, there's we had if we go back to to our like when we started the rankings, I'm, I'm pretty sure we had Larkin in there, or, or some of us did he anyway. He might have been a Farv, he might have been in there, maybe he was definitely a Farv. And I think there's a reason he fell out, he fell out around the Carvalho fight, really, because it was just sure. like, well, I don't, we don't know, is he coming back? Yeah, coming back to Welter, yeah, that was two fights in a row where he didn't make 170, yeah, and I don't, and I don't think he's done enough to earn a spot back. That's that's thing, and it's not his fault, right? He's getting Bellator, he's getting Bellator, it sucks, it sucks, he's getting Bellator. We know this. This is a fact. He's been Bellator. Korshkov. Korshkov's a good one. Listen, I'm not going to take away Korshkov. I think Korshkov's like That's top, a good a win. That's a good win. But, you know. Ultimately, if your best five wins at, at welterweight are some combination of Ma- Masvidal, Magny, Ponzi, Koreshkov, like if those are your best four, like that's solid. That's a solid best four at welterweight like i don't feel bad about this y'all are not gonna make me feel bad about this. i'm gonna try to make you feel bad about it but, just, just <laughs> the, but you guys but i remember back in the discussion when i had Corey anderson number one light heavyweight for like a month before obviously he lost and other guys won but you guys you guys you gave me hell for having him and i kept I bringing up I, the, the, was on your side. The, the glover to share totally thing it was uh, okay okay maybe you were the one because everyone was like oh it was so long ago blah 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 but i said it happened and yeah i listen overall resume absolutely matters it does and I, that's what I said. We initially had the Lorenz Larkin discussion privately. I was like, geez, man, like I kind of forgot how good this dude's resume is. It's absolutely killer. Again, I don't have a problem with him being on the fringe of the top 15. I, I really don't. I just, I can't, I think going top 10, when you look at the absolute murderer's row of welterweights, when you look at Shavkat, when you look at Shemaev, guys who, who don't even have the resume that he has, well, Shemaev obviously has the winner of Burns, but I'm saying like they don't have as deep of a resume uh, I just can't see him top 10. I can see him top 15, but not top 10. But I don't have him above any of those people. Like, I, if for context sake, here's who I have Larkin above in my top 15. I have him above Chiesa, Madalena, Brady, Luke, Neil, Amosov. And the only one I probably feel bad about, and that is Brady. And that's just because he's kind of had a weird road at this point and doesn't have a signature win yet. Other than that, like, I feel perfectly fine with that. I think Larkin could win any of those fights. You have Larkin over the current Bellator champion. <laughs> yeah, Amosov's best win is Storley. Like this is the, look. Ultimately, whoever said he got Bellator, that's the best expl- explanation. Of all this man got Bellator. If, if you put together a top fifteen list of the worst Bellator crimes, 
that is, yeah, you can go 100 deep we, on that, but we, like we, Larkin man. would be in that list of what they've done to this man in his career because there's no let's reason give some, this should have taken let's give some, But let's also give some flowers to JDM for that dude coming in and looking like a monster so far, man. Monster. I am a big believer in JDM. I can't, I, I like I said, whether it's Luke A or another fight, I think like, I don't know what the ceiling is for him because, you know, I mean, it, you know, eventually you're going to run into tougher competition. And as I said, the wrestlers, I am curious how he's going to deal with guys trying to take him down. But so far... JDM man, that dude's awesome. Monster. He, I, I wouldn't put him up with like the Shamayev and, and Shavkat tier quite yet, but feels like that is very attainable for him. That dude looks sick out there, man. I love JDM. I think that dude's. I think that dude's a monster. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May seventeenth, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, fellas, well, let's move on. Last thing on the docket today. Uh, we wanted to do this last month. We just didn't have enough time, so we wanted to squeeze it in today before it gets too late in the year. You see, around this time last year, we made some predictions. Some of us were very good with our predictions. Some of us were not. AK, AK. Uh, uh, I'll, just, predict- I'll dispute this momentarily. <laughs> I will dispute this. We predicted two things. Uh, who was going to rise the most in 2022 and who's going to fall? Very simple. Three fighters each. Uh, and those three fighters could either be two things. They could be names who currently weren't in the divisional top fives at that time. I think we did this in January, uh, but we expected them to be there at the end of 2022 or names who did reside in those top fives. And we expected them to tumble out by the end of 2022. So basically that's a long way of saying either prospects you think are going to take the leap or vets you think are just going to have a rough year. Here are the results. We got the receipts uh, coming in last place. I'm sorry. He's not here to defend himself. He's off today, so we couldn't get him on. Mike Heck, who went 0 of 3. Uh, <laughs> he had Armand Sarukian and Andre Muniz making the jump and Jan Bukovic making the tumble. 
none of which actually happened. Uh, they all they all like kind of happened, but not enough to get him to where he needed. So that's last place. AK now coming in third place out of four. Uh, AK, you got Manin for Manin for Fiero. I can nailed never, never get that name. You got her. <laughs> you nailed that. Yeah. Uh, the other two, Mosar Ivloev. Didn't happen for you. He didn't get the opportunity. Yeah, I'm too far and ahead on that. And yeah. how dare you, Demetrius Johnson, as well? I was right. <laughs> in your, what does that mean? I said he's not going to be a top five flyweight by the end of the year. We're not doing that. <laughs> uh, he, uh, he compete, no, he competes at 135 pounds. He's not a top five bantamweight. So what are we talking about? This is where is he? Where is he ranked in the UFC? In our rankings, not the Does, UFC uh, rankings. I mean, listen, our rankings are a little screwed up. I don't think we. I think we need to uh, reappraise. <laughs> you run the rankings. <laughs> where matter, okay. No, I know, but I'm just saying. I think we all know he's really a bantamweight. I think he fought at 135. He's clearly not a top We're five bantamweight. We're not. I'm, doing I, this. I, I I got two out of three here. Let's be honest. I got two out. I of like, three. I love that every rankings pod inevitably goes back to the same three topics. It's an important. I don't even know what you're talking about. I, I mean, this is pretty clear. It's pretty clear he fights at 135 and it's no longer a top five flyweight. That's what I said. I said he wouldn't be a top five flyweight, and I'm right. So AK got one out of three. Uh, I got two out of three. I had I predicted the the fall of Gegard Musasi, which made me very sad in the moment. Um, Ouch. And the rise of Magomed and Kalayev. <laughs> I also had Holly Holm in there, which I feel like. I got right, but she's still number five because that division. Spiritually, that's, if not, that's so uh, wrong. Yeah. If, if if women's bantamweight fought yeah. ever, if women's bantamweight had fights, like I would have gotten that right, but I didn't, so I got two out of three. Um, how is she not? How is she not fall out? You five? got it. You got it by default because the women's bantamweight division is the worst. The that's worst so division in mixed martial arts. For the audience, now on our ballots, we fill out every month. There are now two people that have burned it to the ground written on their women's bantamweight ballot. Jet has started a trend here. And then it, it I feel no happiness saying this. This just pains me to say this. But Jed here coming in first place. Uh kind of got three out of three. I don't know that I would call it three out of three. I'm gonna give it two and a half out of three. Uh you had Kaikara France rising, nailed it. You had Glover Deshera falling. He retired. We'll give it Nailed to you. It. He'd still be in Nailed the top it. five, but whatever. Nailed it. Nailed sure. it. And then you had Stipe Miocic uh, falling as well, which, you know, he didn't even Nailed fight. It. He got removed for inactivity. If you want to call that a win, call it a win. I think most people. I do, but he may never point. fight again. That's a full point. Yeah, that's a full point for sure. <laughs> I'm giving that's him a, a half point. Yeah. I'm a falling half. out of the rankings definitely counts as falling out of the top five. That's a full point. I have more of a problem with the Glover to share one. He retired. It, it, yeah, if he was still yeah. fighting, he would have been in the top five. Still counts. It's still I'm sorry that you guys didn't have the foresight to pick a 45 year old man. Well, I bet in this athletic endeavor, he's probably not going to be as good as he will be in a years from now. I'm just a genius. I'm ahead of the curve, guys. Uh, so we'll give Jed first place on this, uh, just like our introductory conversation with Islam and Volk. This is the decision I've made. I don't feel good about it, though. Uh, either way, <laughs> we're going to do this again. Uh, we're going to do the 2023 version. Um, so let's get to it. This is already Are we allowed a long to have pod. overlap or no? Yeah. Okay. In terms of like picking the same ones? Yeah. Let's try not remember. to, but... If we, I if have we, a ton happens, of choices. Yeah, but. I have a lot of backups if, if in case I need them. Okay. But, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll try to zoom through this. We don't need to take a lot of time on this. But uh, Jed, since you're first place here, start us off. You want to start with some happiness? You want to start with some sadness? Wherever you want to go, the board's yours. The question is, so I have, a, I could name probably five guaranteed sads. Like, And uh, sad is maybe not the right word. I'm not sure everyone would be sad. 
it maybe is a little cheap, but I'm just going to get on the board. You know, so leadoff hitter. You just want to get get the ball in play. Uh, going to go to the women's flyweight division. And uh, Caitlin Chukagian, who has been a staple of this division Ooh. since its inception, there's almost no chance she <laughs> remains in the top five of this weight class by the end of this year. So I'm going to lead off with with Chukagian. I, I don't think her her Chukaginning days are over. Yeah, I think she's, she's going to Chukagian a couple of people this year and just hold on to that five spot. Thing is, who she just lost to Furo. She is, is she going to replace Shevchenko and Drag? No, Sandra? she just no. I'm saying she's Firo? just she, she's just going to hold on to five. Like she's just going to hold on to five. Like that five spot is just not. That's that's my concern. There's too many young up and comers. You got Grasso. You got Blanchfield. O'Neill. There's just too many of them. I don't think she can hold five. I think she's gone. She may not drop like all the way out of the whole rankings, <laughs> but I don't think she can hold five anymore. I don't, dis- I I don't disagree with that, that pick. I don't disagree with that pick. I think no. that's a solid pick. It's a good pick. It's a good pick. I just love the uniformity of, of Chukagianine being a verb. It's just so good. Yeah. We all know exactly what it means. The split decisions will eventually go against her. So, you know, she'll get a few in there where she's just not going to win. You can't high roll it every time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. AK, hit us. I guess I'm taking the obvious one. I, I think this is what Jed was talking about, like about there being overlap. I mean, Jelson Almeida. I left, I left that yeah. one for you. Yeah, I mean, we're going to talk yeah. about it. Yeah, Jelson Almeida. I mean, it's not a lot to say. I mean, I think this guy, if he got a shot at the title, could be UFC champion like by the end of the year. So that's not going to happen most likely. But will he be in position to fight for the title like early 2024? Yeah, and it's going to be with a with a firm top five ranking behind him. So um, not a lot. Where is he right now? He's number nine. I mean, he might even be too low. <laughs> he he jumped four spots after his last fight. I get it. He hasn't faced the best competition yet, but that's what's going to happen this year. He's going to line up a couple of uh, top 10, top five names and just comfortably be a, be a top five fighter. All right. I like it. You know, I like it. Damon, where are you going? I had two risers and I'm debating on which one I want to pick first, but I'm going to go with probably the most obvious choice. So I'm just going to stick with this one. Shavkat Rachmanov, I think he is top five, and I think he will get there. Oh, he was my most obvious riser. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, yeah that was the one. I was I was torn between him and one other guy, but I decided to go with Shavkat. You know, I think I'm beating Jeff Neal. I, that's, that's a tough fight. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. He wins, but yeah, I got Shavkat. I think he's like the other Chemayev-level guy who will get in that, that top five this year. It's just a matter of opportunity for him, right? Yes. Like he's just got to get the fights. I was going to say it's tough because our top five right now, Leon, obviously, Kamaru, Hamzat, Colby, and Gilbert. I guess Colby could fall out with inactivity or if he gets the wrong matchup. Well, but he, he sure it's, could. Okay. It's tough to fall in. It's tough to break into that. Like that very specific five names. I It's tough to get a fight with them. And also they're tough to beat. I'm also betting he got Jeff Neal, which was a good step up for him because Jeff was <laughs> coming off the win, you know, his win over Luke. But uh, if he wins that fight, I also I'm also playing into the uh, perspective futures uh, rankings Ooh. that we do here at the podcast because uh, at MMA fighting, because like Jed has Chemayev number one or number two now. I think th- there's going to be some Shavkat believers who are going to put him in that top five, even if maybe he, he, he doesn't. I, he have, already has Shavkat at three and yeah. Shavkat at four. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think it's going to take that much more. He goes out there and wrecks Jeff Neal. I think we might already get some top five votes. You're just playing to the audience. You're playing, you're playing I am. to the crowd. I fully am. I fully am. <laughs> hey, I like it. That's good strategy. Um, all right. I'll go next. It seems like everyone's kind of picking safe so far. Uh, so I'll be the first one to light this whole thing on fire and, and maybe take a step out there that I'm not sure about this, but I could see a road. And so I want to paint that road for you. I hate to do this. I really do. It pains me to do this. 
uh, because I like this man very much. But there feels like a very clear path for 2023 to be the year from hell for Charles Oliveira. You son of a bitch. Did I steal one from that you? Was, that was like my number one that I wanted just so I could make AK's eyes bleed on this pod. That was my backup pick, Shaheen. That was one of my backup wow. picks. I was like, maybe I'll pull out the Charles right. Oliveira card. All right, we're all burning it down. Because look, the case is there, right? Like, he has this fight with Benil Daryush probably. Yep. If he loses to Benil, drops a little bit. Then mm-hmm. he loses to one of the other guys out there, right? A Fiziev, a Gamrat, a Sarukian, whoever. Suddenly, he's kind of out, right? Like, this, this division has been clogged up for so long, and we have been banging the drum on this on MMA fighting for so long of just, these guys are not getting their opportunities. These youngsters are not getting their opportunities at the dudes who are just squatting on rankings. And this does feel, it feels like 2023 is the year where that starts to change and these people finally start to get the opportunities that they've been needing. Charles Oliveira has a ton of mileage on him. He's much older in fight years than he actually is in actual age. He's out there on the Roy McDonald program. Like he is 33, but he's really like 37 probably, right? When it comes to fight years, he happens to everyone at some point. You never know who could come up and surprise in this division. And sometimes the fall off is quicker than we ever imagined. Dude's been living on the edge in all of his recent fights. He's been dancing with the devil. He's in, um, in an incredible amount of wars. Eventually, that just burns you up. I think this might be the year. I like that I pick. Mean, it hurts I me. Love it, that hurts. Pick. it hurts me, but it's, it hurts me because it's because it's the, the truth behind it. You know what I mean? It hurts me. I don't feel attacked. I feel like enlightened. You know, that, that pain that comes <laughs> that pain that comes with a lesson. You know what I mean? And I'm also, like, and also yeah. lightweight is lightweight is incredibly deep. So it doesn't take mm-hmm. much for you to have one bad loss, another one in a really let's yeah. say he loses to Benil badly, and then other guys are winning. He could easily drop six, yeah, seven, right. eight. You know what so, I mean? Like so, it's so, it doesn't yeah. take much. Fizio might just jump him over by getting a win over somebody else. Yeah. Like well he, it's out there. Plus, they might just give Volkanovsky six shots at the lightweight belt <laughs> until he finally wins one. So uh, that's one spot already and, taken from him. And, and he won't squat. That's the problem with Charles. Is of, of all these guys we're looking at in the top five, he's not going to squat. He's just going to be like, yeah, I want to fight. Just throw me. I would like to have exciting fights. Throw me out there. So, damn, he's too, he's too, he's too good for this world. Uh, I like okay, it. Let me like let it. me bounce off this one. Because Sheen, you've you've given us Charles Oliveira, which I firmly agree with. He's on my list. I was going to take him, but I'm not going to overlap. And I'm going to go happy this time. Oh, because as we remove the desiccated corpse of Charles Oliveira from the top five, because <laughs> he no longer serves a purpose and is useless, we can replace him with the new, the exciting, the the current champion and soon to be Grand Prix winner. Usman Nurmagomedov, when he wins the Bellator Lightweight Grand Prix, he will move into the MMAfighting.com lightweight rankings. If he runs through that whole GP, which I think he will, I think that'll it'll certainly be enough for me to have him up there, and I think everybody else will bump him into the top five as well. Yeah, he's number 10 right now. He's number 10. He moved up one spot in our last cycle, so he's already trending upwards big time. Mm-hmm. If he wins the lightweight GP, will you guys not put him in the top five? Because I feel like everyone kind of just will. I might because in that in that world, right? He probably has wins over Benson Henderson, AJ McKee, and uh, one of the tough Eastern Europeans. Yeah, dude, like any, everybody in that lightweight Grand Prix is is legit. Like the worst fighter in it is Benson Henderson. It is it's a real run. I'll go ahead and throw water on that and say no, because Bellator light Bellator's lightweight division has been pretty awful for a couple of years now. 
Um, beating Benson Henderson, solid win. Beating AJ McKee, a guy who has not looked great at lightweight. If we're being honest, he's looked okay. Um, he's not looked great at lightweight. No, I mean, I, I'm not saying Usman is not incredible. Usman is absolutely incredible. He's awesome. I think he's amazing. I would love to see him fight some of these top guys, but no, not for me. Not not based on how deep lightweight is, and that's the problem because you got guys like Sarukian and Gamrot and Fizia and guys Ferguson. like that. Tony Ferguson's high. I'm not, yeah, let's, let's not mention him. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they're still, you know, and they're still going to be, again, that's the, it's not, it's not that Usman's not good. It's that he's in a division that's so deep. It's going to be tough for me personally to jump him, even with wins over AJ McKee and Benson Henderson to that's say fair. those are better wins than let's say Fizia beating Gaethje or, you know, Sarukin coming back and getting a big win over whoever, you know, I just, I, it's just, a, it's a, to me, it's a little harder road for me to put that's him there. Even though I think he's, even though I think he's amazing. It's fair. This is certainly a riskier choice. I, I didn't want to go all safes. It seemed not as fun. And this was definitely the most fun one I thought I had for, for happies. Cause I don't have a lot of happies. I've mostly yeah. sads. It definitely depends how he does it. If he's like super dominant finishing guys, the grand prix, it'll help us talk a lot. If like Michael Chandler, we have Michael Chandler at seven. If he loses to McGregor, I'm not putting McGregor at seven. I'm bumping Chandler out of the top 10. So there you go. That was moves up a spot there. There's, there's a way he can get there. It's tough. Um, because he has to get in there with like Justin Gaethje, uh, Benil, and Dustin Poirier. It's, it's, it's tough. tough. The other thing in his favor, though, is we, I mean, assuming he wins, which I w- am doing, we know he's fighting three times, which it, whereas the rest of these competitors, maybe once, maybe twice. Like, I, that's, good. Think that's a good Rafael point. Do you think is fighting three times this year? Mm-hmm. Almost, every time, every time no someone chance. fights, they usually get some kind it, of It bump, helps right? them. So they should, I'm, yeah. So I'm I'm playing the numbers and plus I I need a new guy you know I I was all in on Islam now I have a new number moment of to to be the champion of. <laughs> I almost put Umar in here but I actually just don't think there is a path for him to make it in the bantamweight rankings from where he is right now. Uh, AK hit us. I hate that I have to. I'm gonna go a faller here. I hate that I have to go with another top women's fighter. I, but I do, it, the, do it, oh do it, do it. And I'm, a, I'm a fan of this woman too, but I think the writing is on the wall for Carlos Barza. Oh, that was my, oh, yeah, yeah. I think the writing is on the wall yeah. for her. Uh, a lot of people would go like, well, duh. But it's like, listen, she's number in our rankings. She's number two. She is the number two straw weight in the world behind only the champion, Sean Wei Lee. Some people might want to put her behind, I don't know, Rose Namajunas Junis just because they want to pretend that that second fight was like a toss up or whatever, but listen, Carla won the decision. So she is our number two, but I could just see, I think Charlotte's a little bit underrated as far as like some good up and coming names. Not like, does not like, not quite like flyweight where we have like some clear blue chippers, but there's some good names as strawweight. And also just, I don't know. I, I, she has to, I guess she'd have to fight a lot. I mean, the benefit is if she doesn't fight a lot, then she might not drop. She might be able to squat on her spot. That's but, the reason she wasn't my number one pick off the board. Yeah, is if she, she only, only fight like fights once. once this year, she might right. hang on to it just, just because if she like fights Limotion loses, yeah. she might just, but if she fights twice, I think she's gone for sure. Yeah. It's, and again, this is no disrespect to Carla who, uh, you know, leading up to her f- title fight where I was like so excited. She got that second shot at Rose, got a, a chance to regain the UFC title did it. It was very cool. Again, the fight, I know not exciting, but, um, but yeah, she's just been in this game a long time. And I think at some point it, it comes for everyone. So if I was going to predict a big drop going from number two to out of the top five is, I mean, about as big as you can get. So, uh, I had to go with the Sparza on that one. It's fair. It's fair. It makes a lot of sense. 
Makes me sad a little bit because I feel like she's just been disrespected her entire career, even though she's a two-time UFC champion. But let's prove us wrong. Prove us wrong. I know she can do it. <laughs> she's continued to prove us wrong, but it might be the end of the road. Uh, Damon, hit us. So I was going to go another riser because I do have another riser on my list, but I'm going to go with a sad one. And this is going to be one that's probably going to be one of the most shocking picks on this entire podcast. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it. The guy who will drop out of the top five this year, Leon Edwards. Oh, wow! Talking about the people who have been consistently disrespected. I think I think Leon oh loses God. to Usman. I think Leon loses to Usman, and then he has one more fight this year. And I think Leon has a lot of bad matchups at welterweight because here's what I think could happen: if he loses to Usman, he ain't getting that fight again. We all know that. And then it's a matter of. Where does Chemayev go? Is Chemayev going to fight a middleweight or welterweight? Because obviously we were supposed to see that fight several times. I could see the UFC being cruel and be like, here, fight Chemayev now. Uh, he could fight Burns, and that could potentially be a bad matchup. I could see him fighting Covington, and that's still potentially a bad matchup. I could see him fighting um, uh, any other, Bilal. I know Bilal had one round with him, but Bilal's looked so much better lately. Are we going to sit here and say Bilal will be that much of an underdog? to not potentially pull off that fight. Uh, yeah. So again, I'm betting on bad matchups near the top of that division. And the fact that he was losing pretty handily to Usman until he pulled off the great comeback. It was an incredible comeback, incredible knockout. Um, but I just think the uh, Cinderella story is going to crash down at uh, you know 1201 in a bad way. So I'm going Leon Edwards dropping out of my top five. Wow spicy well, here's the other thing spicy, yeah. here's the other thing he has again we talk about all the resume and like accomplishments and things like that leon has one really good win and it's usman that's it he doesn't have a deep resume beyond that so if he goes out there let's just Doesn't say he also have a win over luke that's a good win that's a good i one. mean years ago yeah i mean many Nate many years DS. ago Nate Diaz, come on. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. That's the thing. Leon, again, Leon was another one we talked about when he beat Usman. We were all kind of like, God, what do we do here? Because legitimately, Leon doesn't have a resume that matches a lot of the guys at welterweight, but he has the win over Usman. Again, it's not as, it's not as, it's not as, uh, it's not as um, crazy as Pereira, obviously, but I'm saying like, it's not like Leon has this deep, deep resume where he has wins over Burns and Masvidal and, you know, Covington, all these big wins. He doesn't. So if he loses to Usman, I get, if he goes out there and gets washed by Usman or loses in a pretty lopsided fashion, and again, I'm not saying he will because maybe Usman is towards the end of his career as well, but if he loses that fight, am I crazy thinking he could already draw back to three or four? I mean, Chemayev's still up there for a lot of us. Uh, Burns has been on a great streak recently. I mean, I'm not saying like I wouldn't be shocked if Edwards already drops back a couple spots when he gets washed by Usman, and then I'm just one loss away. It's a compelling case. I am nowhere near on the same page with you on this, Damon, but I love that you did it. <laughs> I, I, I think Leon will be okay uh, with the next next year, but I love that. I, I respect the bold. I I'm also it. betting. I'm also betting on. I'm. I'm trying to get in guys who actually might get two fights in this year. If he loses to Usman yes. in March, chances are he'll fight again October, November. Because again, mm-hmm. a lot of these guys who don't have fight schedule right now, we're we're gambling on them fight. Like I'm with Jed. One of my picks was gonna be Umar, and I started looking and I'm like, God, who's he gonna fight? How many times is he gonna get tough. to fight this year and get in there? Like that's the problem. Like I don't know if there's a path 
for him. Whereas Edwards is fighting in March. He could easily fight again in November. And if he loses that one, then I my my pick is a lot safer. But some of these guys may only fight once this year. I like Shaheen, it. I like it. There's a layup just sitting out here for you. I am astonished we've gone this deep without one certain individual not being chosen. So I, I well, there know, are actually two layups. There are a couple layups still out there, and I'm gonna leave them out there. I'm going to leave them out there for whoever wow. wants the low-hanging fruit for their last one. I if it comes back so around brand. to me, maybe I'll grab one of them. But right now, I'm feeling a little dangerous. You know, History and opportunity are against me right now with this pick. History tells me that I'm going to be wrong and I'm going to be disappointed. But I'm just following a gut instinct. I'm following the talent. And I'm a, we, we talked for a while about how Lorenz Larkin got completely bellatored and how he's just become a forgotten man in the space. There's a woman out there who has become completely forgotten to such a crazy degree, and it's, it's rightful. There's a reason she's forgotten. Tatiana Suarez, for a long time, I thought was going to be a UFC champion sooner rather than later. And it just didn't happen because she just couldn't get healthy and she couldn't actually get the fights. She ostensibly is getting the fights this year. She is back already once booked for later this month, I think February 25th against Montana De La Rosa. And at that point, if she is able to make up for lost time, I, I see a very quick road for her to get back into this conversation, whether it's at 125 or 115, whatever she picks. She's going to be fighting for title contention if she's able to just get a couple fights in. That's it. Because we all know that she's good. We all know that she's like one of the best in the world in general in women's MMA. We just haven't had a chance to actually see it play out. She demolished Carla Esparza at her own game in one of the last few fights we ever saw her. I think Tatiana Suarez, everything I said about her from 2017-2018 range, I still believe it's just a matter of her getting out there. And if she is able to finally get out there this year and just get a couple fights in, I think it is a very easy route for her to be in the top five of whatever division it ends up being. And I think the UFC will want her there because they need challengers. They need compelling challengers, compelling contenders to actually fight some of these champions. And she fits the bill perfectly. And I'm just banking that this is the lucky year. I don't feel great about it, but maybe it happens. I almost, I almost, I'll be honest with you, Sheen. I almost pulled the trigger on that when I thought about it, but then here's the two things that, that prevented me. One, the injury history just terrifies me because, you know, one wrong move that net gets injured. She's out again. That scares me. And also the other thing that worries me a little bit is she's coming back at flyweight. If she was coming back at straw weight, I'd say one win because she was already right there. And she's kind of like in that position where she just needs to get back in there and fight. And she's back at the top five because that's how good she was. But she's coming back at flyweight. Is her plan not to eventually drop back down to 115 at some point? Yeah, I will note. I think her, her plan I right now tentatively is that she's going to drop to 115 after this fight. This is mm-hmm. sort of the get back fight. Yeah. If she gets one more win and it's a straw weight, I'm, I'm with you because if she gets one, I mean, she was right there. She was, when she beat Nina Nunes, she was supposed to be one fight away from a title shot. And then, you know, the wheels fell off. She got injured and she's been out for two or three years, whatever it's been. This is the year, baby. This is the year. Year of Suarez. Damn, that's an inspirational pick. Jed. Pick number three. Thought, last one of the day. Lots of easy options on the board for you. What are, are you doing? I thought you were going to go with a different fighter who hasn't fought in like half a decade, um, who you have consistently backed, sometimes to your failure. I'm not going to take that gentleman um, because I still don't ever trust him. Is it cheating? I guess I should clarify. Is it cheating to take Davison Figueredo? (laughs) 
Because he's yeah, not yeah. going to be a ranked flyweight at some point because <laughs> he's no longer competing there, but he's on the table. So if we allow it, I'm going to take him. But yeah, if we deem that cheating. It's, a, it's 100% allowed because I got a point for Demetrius Johnson no longer being a flyweight. So, yeah, absolutely. That's completely fair. <laughs> that very yeah, much we agree. We agreed. I got a point for that. So, Jed, yes, that's an excellent pick. Okay, I just want people to remember that I would have chosen him and angled the system here, but in the spirit of of things that are going on, uh, f it, I don't. I'm gonna hate myself for this. Uh, <laughs> give me a happy, I suppose. Jonathan Dwight Jones, who is currently unranked and will be challenging for the heavyweight title. Lame. Is that also? <laughs> if we're calling that cheating. No, like you, you can do it. it. You okay. can do it. It's fine. All right, lame. screw it. Fine. You want me to get out on the corner? I'll get out no, on the corner. Oh my Max gosh. Holloway, get the hell oh, out of here, Max no. Holloway. Let's go. Okay, no, you went too far. You went too far. Now. You went. Come at me, Shaheed. You just went from zero to one hundred. My snaps. Real quick. Look, Max Holloway is going to lose to Arnold Allen, and that's going to be okay. Like he's not. He's just going to drop to three or whatever. But here's the thing nobody's talking about. Here's what they won't tell you in the in the <laughs> MMA world because they're too busy talking about how Volk should fight Makachev again. I watched UFC 284, and there was a gentleman there named Yair Rodriguez who beat the holy hell out of Josh Emmett, and he kicked him still very, very hard. And you know what else happened at UFC 284? Is the Makachev kicked Alexander Volkanovsky a bunch to the body, and Volk didn't super like it. And I'm going to go and say... Yair Rodriguez, better at kicking than Islam Makachev. Yair Rodriguez is going to beat Volkanovsky when they fight. Arnold Allen is going to beat Max Holloway when they fight. And Max Holloway is going to fight one more time. And when he loses that, he's going to drop to six because it will go Rodriguez, Volkanovsky, Arnold Allen, I guess we'll still respect Patricio Pitbull because we seem to continue to do that here at MMAfighting.com and then unnamed fighter in the future. Maybe it's Ilya Tapuria. Who knows who's going to be the guy to send Max on his way, but Max is done this year. Wow. You can't say that's lame. Wow. You have somehow angered both Volkanovsky supporters and Max Holloway supporters <laughs> like in, this, in the last 24 hours, and that's incredible. I didn't think someone could do that. but I mean, he did in the last two minutes. He predicted Volk to lose, too. He just slipped that oh in there. There's a reason. Well, they're not telling you. There's a reason Volk wants to be fighting Makachev again, because he's scared of Yair. He don't want them problems. Big Featherweight is not telling you these things. I'm just saying it's a lot easier to lose to a lightweight when everyone's going to go around being like, well, he's so much bigger than me. Uh, whereas you just get your body kicked out from you by Yair, a lot tougher to sell. I don't like you for making this pick, but I respect <laughs> you for making this pick. I, well, I won that, last year, so I around. thought I should really go out on a limb. I appreciate <laughs> a lot of that going it. around. Can I ask quickly, uh, if John Jones loses, let's say, a competitive decision to Cyril Gaon, will anyone rank him at heavyweight? Yes. Yeah. There is a rogue yeah. panelist who will for sure oh. rank him at heavyweight. Oh, I'll, I'll rank him at heavyweight. He's still a top yeah. five heavyweight. Top five? You'd put him above, like, I guess, tied I to Abasa? I won't rank him AK, but I'll I understand. Think I will either, but it means if it is competitive and he still loses, but he loses, I'd be like, yeah, if he shows us enough, I don't know. Okay, you know what? This this we'll put a pin on this for the actual uh, post uh, twenty five podcast. Oh, we have a panelist who's ranked Volkanovski at lightweight, so I suspect if the same are, thing happens, John Jones will also get a number. 
y'all are losing a lot of faith in John Jones. I know he didn't look great his last time out. I lost come faith on in John like, Jones when he barely beat Tiago Santos on who was on zero legs and then didn't beat Dominic Reyes. That's when I lost faith in John Jones. I, I've always disrespected Anthony Smith and I lost respect for John Jones when he didn't demolish Anthony Smith. So uh, he just hasn't fought in three years. So I just have no, I don't even, right. I don't know if I'm disrespecting him or I just, he's off. I'm my radar. Driving, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the lone, I'm the lone navigator on the John Jones hype train right now, apparently. Sure. So that's all right. That's sure. all right. I can, I can, I can handle it. Hey, you in New York, Rick, Eric Jackman's right there with you. Man. Um, I think there are going to be a lot of people on that hype train as March gets closer. <laughs> yeah. It's going to pick up. There's going to be tickets being sold for that. Uh, AK. Here's with the yeah, I'll, I'll quickly throw on my last one. I won't go into it too much because I've touched upon it. I have to mention this name because I've kind of, I've kind of committed to this guy having a great year. Um, it might very well be the year of the raw dog this year. <laughs> I, I don't have a specific path for Brandon Royval becoming uh, a potentially UFC champion. That's sort of the bold, one of the bold predictions I made on uh, when Mike and I did onto the next one and predicting like year end champions. I just want to like, not just to go the boring pick and say Brandon Moreno. I'm like, something will happen. Maybe, maybe, um, maybe, you know, uh, Pantoja beats Moreno and then Roy, and then Royval beats, you know, he has to beat Nicolau in April, beats someone else, gets a shot at Pantoja, wins a rematch with Pantoja or fights Moreno, wins a rematch with Moreno. It, he's lost to a lot of good guys this division already. I understand, but I kind of just want to go on a limb. I also think he's a really talented fighter and just has had some, just some weird luck. Um, even the first Moreno fight, he kind of got injured during the stoppage and I'm not saying it would have gone any differently, but it was just a, a little muddy. It was a little muddy. And then Moreno went on to fight um, Biggie and uh, Roy Valligan has kind of been sent on this weird spiral since, but he's, he's got some wins. He's rocking, getting back some wins. If he beats Nicolau, he's really on his way. Um, and again, I, and, and yes, I just wanted to, I will say it if it happens that it is the year of the raw dog, but I'd really prefer not to. Um, so Roy Val is kind of my weird pick. And again, not necessarily become the champion, but we're saying getting to the top five, very possible, very possible. Has to get past Nicolau in April. And then after that, really just one more big win. I think, he, I think he's in there. Flyweight top five right now. Brandon Moreno, DJ, Figueredo, Adriano Marais, Kai Corner, mm-hmm. France. So at worst, Figgy's going to be out of there, right? And then you have Probably, yeah. Pantoja. But DJ and run. DJ and Adriana Morales we're going to take out of there too. So I really, say, I think, just by I think default, flyweight gonna be... is a good mathematic <laughs> choice, which I was, I was looking at. I was just like, yeah. is there's, I thought about Manel cop just to be fun because like pretty reasonable to see a world yeah. or three of the top five are gone. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, Damon, what do you got last for us? So Jed almost spoiled it there. I, I wanted to go Manel Cobb because if you remember correctly, I picked him as like my random could be champion by the end of the year guy. So if I'm going to ride with him, I'd kind of have to say he's going to be top five. And I think that, but here's the thing. I weirdly think there's an easier path for him because he beats Alex Perez. Who's only one spot ahead of him in our rankings. But again, so many guys are leaving and I feel like, you know, it's just going to be a little bit of an easier path for him to get there than, than that. So I'm going to skip that one. I'm going to go with another, I say sad, but is it really sad? Because I don't think anyone's really going to be that sad to see it go, but I'm going to go with dropping out of the top five Colby Covington. Uh, not only because he Respect hasn't fought it. in a year, but when you really look at his resume, Colby Covington is living, breathing on two close fights with Kamar Usman. That's it. Losses. Two close and losses. losses. Important to stipulate that. He beat he beat Tyron Woodley, who was not the same Tyron Woodley he was years ago. He beat Robbie Lawler, who is not the same Robbie Lawler he was years ago. Um, and right now, if Col- I mean, are you I mean, Colby Covington fights Jamayev, he's a massive underdog. He fights 
Gilbert Burns. He's probably an underdog in that one. And he's, and I, I, listen, I wouldn't discount Bilal Muhammad being Colby Covington either. Um, yeah. Shavkat Rachmanov, I would probably pick to be Colby Covington. So yeah, between inactivity, which we still have no idea when he's coming back. I mean, it's coming up on a year already. He hasn't fought. And his last one was over Jorge Masvidal, who isn't a top 10 fighter. Um, yeah, Colby Covington. I think either through inactivity or getting beat one time this year, which if he fights any of those top five, top six guys, there's a good chance he's going to lose unless they give him Leon Edwards. And then maybe I kind of cancel myself out by Colby staying in <laughs> by eliminating Leon Edwards. But otherwise, I'm going to go with Colby Covington uh, joining Leon Edwards outside the top five this year. The classic stat, five years since Colby beat somebody coming off a win. <laughs> five years. Just saying. I feel I feel less I feel more confident in that big. I feel far more confident in that. Yeah, I feel far more confident in that big than I do Leon Edwards. So what we're saying is Tatiana Suarez has more recently (laughs) beat someone coming off a win. Yes. (laughs) That is what we are saying. Ouch. John Jones, guy who's been out for three years. (laughs) Guys who guys who have been out for multiple years have more recent wins than Colby Covington does. I don't hate it. Uh, there's very much a path for it. I can see it. Uh, I'll close this out. My last one. A lot still on the board, frankly, right? Like, I'm kind of proud of us that we didn't do some easy ones here. You could go Sarukian with that. You could go Mooney's at middleweight. Uh, I think Taito Ivasa at heavyweight feels like one who could drop out. Justin All Gaethje. Three of those were in my list. Ilya Taporia was one, but I didn't take it. I didn't take it. Taporia, Ivloyev, another featherweight. Uh, Aaron Blanchfield also still sitting out there. She has a giant fight coming up this week. Yeah, she's um, about to get killed. Is the problem with Blanchfield? That's, yeah, that <laughs> she's about to die. Until um, this fight changed, uh, if we had done this last week, Blanchfield would have probably been a pick for me. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> which you know probably the good, probably the right call but we'll see uh but so i'm coming down to two last names for my last pick uh one's the easy pick and one's maybe a little bit more out there the easy pick is obviously muhammad Mahayev, right like we've all talked about it at length at this point it feels like inevitability that this kid's going to be up there i just don't know if he's going to get the fight to get up there it seems like mm-hmm. they're, they're they're either committed to slow playing him or no one in this division is willing to to fight him um and also i think his last few performances have maybe slowed the the role a tiny bit uh haven't particularly blown yeah. people out of the water in a way that we thought he would be uh so i'll go i'll round out my group by going a bit out on a limb something i don't know that i believe but i could see a road for it uh and it feels like a fun one to root for all year johnny walker baby uh this dude this dude is tied for 11th tied for 11th right oh those sound effects whatever that reaction was i love that uh (laughs) this man is tied for 11th right now at light heavyweight he's one of the few light heavyweights in the world who's not an old man uh i think that's a big credit to him that's a big point in his favor uh this division's just a very weird division that is very much in flux and Johnny Walker right now is about to fight Anthony Smith, right? That's the, that's the next thing up. That will instantly put him in the conversation if he beats Anthony Smith to get a big fight next, whether it's against a Rakic or a Jan Bukovic or even an Ankoliev, somebody. Jan Bukovic is not going to be in the top five at the end of this year. He's a very old man. He's in his 40s. I just see there's, I could see a road where Johnny Walker does weird Johnny Walker things and sudden, somehow ends this year as that number five guy. So I'm putting it out there. And I like it. I like that's a fun thing to root for. That is riskier. So I respect you. 
two words why Johnny Walker will not be in the top five, in my opinion, and it's not Anthony Smith. Two words, John Cavanaugh. There's the reason why he's not here. John John Cavanaugh is the reason why I'm not going to put my faith in Johnny Walker. I'm sorry to tell you. you You can't argue with results. I think, you know, maybe it just took him a while to mesh his style with the uh, SBG style. I don't know. I know you. I know you. AK Lee coming out here saying you can't argue with results in the wake of UFC 284. (laughs) Oh, let's not bring that. Let's not bring that full circle. Uh, But I mean, listen, Johnny Walker. I know. I'm trying to close this out like a professional. We all know you either win or you learn, guys. Okay. We all we all understand that. But I've learned that uh, training with John Cavanaugh doesn't generally mean good things for your future. So I'm going to stick well, with I, it. I, I didn't mean good things for you on Kuchalaba and Paul Craig because John Wayne Walker just smoked them both. So <laughs> I don't know. I, that's a, that's a sneaky, good pick. Shaheen. That's a sneaky, good pick. And you're right. Just going based on the age, people aging out, possibly in the top five, top six. Like I don't think he beats, I, I'll, I'll pick against them again. I don't even think he's beating Anthony Smith. <laughs> I'm going to pick him right. against him in probably every fight. But it's yeah. like a fun thing to root for in a weird division where no one knows what's going on and no one knows what 205 is going to look like at the end of the year. So. I got it. I'm so desperate. I'm still, I'm still, I'm still like, I really, really wanted to go with Umar Nurmagomedov because I think that dude is a monster. I'm just so terrified. He's just not going to get fights. He's just going to end up getting, you know, he's going to get, you know, and this is not a not, I'm not saying like it's a bad, I'm saying he's going to get Ricky Simone. He's going to get, you know, some guys on the fringe, but that's not going to get him close to that. You know, the top five at Bantamweight is really good. And that's the problem. Like he's not going to get those fights, you know, unless he, you know, Unless he gets the loser of uh, Dewalish Vili and Jan, which I guess is a possibility, he's not going to get those fights, and so he's stuck. It's such a long climb when you also include again the belt, like the uh, Bellator bantamweights that are in there too. Because I was going to say like, Adrian Yanez might have a chance, but he could go three and zero in twenty twenty three and still not like, yeah, like barely crack the top fifteen. Not, it's like, just so deep. Like Patchy Mix and 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 Rufion Stas is a good fight. Like that's a really quality bantamweight fight. Like the winner of that mm-hmm. should get a pretty decent. I'm not saying they're going to be top five, but should get a pretty decent bump. You know, like there's some good fights out there, and Umar. I think Umar's the future of the division. He's just stuck right now. Like he just doesn't have a, a clear path to me to get there. Yeah. Uh, I knew that uh, somebody, a UFC champion, was going to be picked for this to, to fall as the faller. I just really thought it would be Jamal Hill if somebody did it. <laughs> no one touched him, though. So there you go. Uh, I think he'll still be top five. Like, I, I have even no if he loses, idea what to do with him. He I might even be he, really good. See, even if he loses the title, like he might... I'm with AK. I'm with AK on that because we lost Glover already, and that division mm-hmm. is a wasteland outside of the top five. So like <laughs> he could lose and still be top five because who the hell else is gonna take that spot? All I'm saying is listen, we are in the realm of possibility of Jamal Hill fighting Johnny Walker in a UFC title fight sometime this year. Like this is gonna this could actually happen. <laughs> Let's go. And then Let's go, really, AK. Paul Craig will just remain the uncrowned player. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and let's end on that. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us. As always, it's been another episode of the MMA Fighting Ranking Show. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Uh, it's, it's a really fun stretch here coming up over the next month, two months. We got two pay-per-views uh, in March. So this could be a lot going on, a lot to talk about. I can't wait for it. In the meantime, that man is Jed Mashu, Damon Martin, for AK Lee. I am Sean Oshadi. We love you guys. Keep it locked in the MMA Fighting Podcast Network. And we'll talk to you again soon.
Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.